0: So I'm going to read to you today from Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. Uh, the, The passage is not necessarily the real crux of my message, but it's important because we're laying a foundation for where we're headed over the next three months. That's a long time to do a sermon series, isn't it? But it's okay. You know, it's all good. It's going to be fun. We're going to be transformed together. And so I really want to start with Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee where he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me. Everybody say, Follow me. me. And I will make you. Everybody say, "I I will make you. Fishers. Let's all say that last part together. Fishers of men. That is what this next three months is going to be about. Follow me, relationship, I will make you, discipleship, fishers of men, evangelism. So I know that just, I've said evangelism, so some of you guys are like shaking in your boots right now. What is he going to ask us to do? I'm not going to ask you to do much. Jesus may ask you to do a lot, but that's none of my business, right, Kermit the Frog meme? Anyways... So I'm giving you guys a lot of culture today. All right. My millennial is showing. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. You know what my favorite word of this whole passage is? Immediately. How many of you guys know that slow obedience is no obedience? Immediately. Come on. So what we touched on last week, before I give you the title... What we touched on last week was this. Before Jesus called them, before Jesus calls us as disciples, Jesus came to them. Right? We have to recognize that. We cannot skip over that part. Is that before Jesus called them and said, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Jesus, which how many of you guys know Jesus is God? How many of you guys know that Jesus is the Messiah? Amen? That Jesus came to us Before he's called out to us. And this is what it means to be a Christian. To be sought after by God. To be pursued by God. Long before you made a commitment to Christ. Christ had already made a commitment to you. That's good news. So I want to just share this message with you today. Called Supernatural Relationship. Supernatural relationship, and, and if, I, if I had a subtitle, I would do supernatural relationship, and then I would do the greater than sign, and then I would do superficial religion. Did that make it better? Yeah, I like that. Supernatural relationship is much greater than superficial religion. How many of you guys would agree with that? Amen. Okay, so Jesus, help us today. Lord, as we open up your word, we ask that you would transform us by your power, by your spirit. God, we want to leave this place looking more like you. God, don't leave us the same. Crash in on us, Holy Spirit, today. Move in this place, Lord. Fill this place with the glory of God. Lord, if I don't finish the message, if we don't check any boxes, that's okay. We just want Jesus. Simplify it for us in this season, God. Simplify it for us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. So the reason why I point out that Jesus first came to his disciples, and that's important for us to recognize, because none of us found God. It wasn't God who was lost. But God found you. Doesn't it make you feel good that God is in pursuit of you? That it's not by your works, that it's not by your strength, that it's not by you stirring yourself up to enough passion to pursue God, that God is already pursuing you, that God has pursued you so hotly that he's brought you here to this place today to encounter his love in his presence. Jesus is after you. Jesus is coming for you. That's the good news. For God so loved the world that he asked the world to come to him. That he sent, right, his only son to come to us. Guys, this is the gospel. This is good news. That long before we look for God, God's already been looking for us. That long before we lay hold of Jesus, Jesus has already laid hold of us. That he's got us right where he wants us. That we're right in the palm of his hands. That he's coming after you. This is good news. That that I don't have to figure out how to find him. He's already found me. And in fact, you know, the Apostle Paul breaks this down. This is a theological tenet. It's a foundation. It's important. We have to start there. The Apostle Paul talks about it in Ephesians 1. I mean, this is his opening announcement to the church at Ephesus. He says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Doesn't that bring you a lot of joy? That before you were knit together in your mother's womb, God had already selected you. Long before you could do anything for Him, He had already chosen you. Long before you could show off in ministry, long before you could become righteous or display good behavior, God had already chosen you. Doesn't that make you feel great? He says that we should be holy. Not just that we should be saved, but that we should be holy like God has appointed us all to be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That we would be family with God, not because we received the revelation, but because God chose us. Before you were even born, God already wanted you. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. you. Go ahead, look at the person on the other side and say, that's you. That's you. Now, I want you guys to recognize something here, and that is that this is actually what sets us apart. As Christians, as believers, as disciples of Jesus. How many of you guys are followers of Jesus? Amen. How many of you guys have decided to follow Jesus? Amen. Yes. Amen. Awesome. Well, this is actually what sets us apart from every other world religion is that God has chosen us. Not that we chose to follow God, but that God chose us. This is actually what sets us apart. Some of you guys know this. I was a missionary in India for almost five years, and I was exposed to just about every layer of Hinduism and then some Sikhism. I don't know if you guys know what Sikhism is. Uh, You're not allowed to cut your hair if you're a Sikh, and you wrap it up in a turban. You guys seen those people in India? Yeah? You You seen it on Nat Geo? YouTube? Trying to get some participation. All right, you guys are with me. Okay, awesome. So you got Hindus in India. You got Sikhs in India. Uh, you, you, you've also got Islam in India. But specifically with Hinduism, uh, what I learned there is that Hinduism is, is really built upon some ancient teaching that's been passed down uh, through the years uh, that involves traditions, rites, and rituals. And in order to be Hindu, you have to observe and you have to practice All of these rites, these rules, and these rituals. You have to observe these traditions. For Sikhs, uh, with their history, they have ten gurus uh, that use one body of teaching. It's kind of like their Bible, if you will, as the way of truth and life. It's what they point to, to say, here's how you find life. Now, I also lived in Mozambique for about a year and a half. And there, I was exposed to Islam. Uh, To Muslims, that's a Muslim country. And in Islam, Muhammad points to five pillars in the Quran that Muslims must practice if they are to be Muslim. Now, I don't know a ton about Buddhism. A little bit, I feel like I'm being exposed to it as I'm, you know, on my fitness journey. Because I'm realizing that, like, there's a lot of Eastern religion that's sort of weaving its way into fitness in the U.S. I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not. I don't know if you've uh, googled that recently, but I was looking for some yoga to do online the other day, and when you search that, man, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that comes up. Before I knew it, I was learning about aliens and the Illuminati, and I was just like, man, there's just a crazy thing going on here. Like, it was weird. I was like, wow, this is interesting, and I was like nerding out on it for about an hour and probably annoyed my wife with that as well, playing it too loud. But you know, I've learned a few things about Buddhism, and the more I'm learning about it, I'm understanding that uh, Buddha, who was also a teacher, he had an eightfold path, with the, which is just one of uh, what they consider to be four noble truths uh, that he taught. And within these truth, uh, these truth claims are, are literal hundreds of rules that are important for Buddhists to follow if, if they are Buddhists. So I want to ask you guys, as we are talking about the major world religions, if you notice any patterns. And I think that one pattern that's obvious as we talk about them is that every major world religion has teachers, right? That they look to. They look to a teacher. You know, Buddhists look to Buddha. You know, Islam looks to Muhammad. Um, The Sikhs look to a book. The Hindus look to ancient teachers. And within all of these religions, they all point to what they consider to be truth. And they say, this is the way that you have to live in order to receive salvation or to live in a place of peace. And so in order to accomplish that, these teachers, what they do is they point to rules that people are to follow. They they point to rites that must be practiced. And they also point to rituals that must be observed. Now, what's different about Christianity, what's different about Jesus, is that Jesus wasn't just a teacher that pointed to a book. Jesus wasn't just a teacher that pointed to some rituals. Jesus wasn't just a teacher that pointed to some rites. Jesus was a teacher, but he arrived on the scene as God and pointed to himself. That's the major difference in what we do as Followers of Jesus and every other major world religion. We don't point to rules and say, if you do these rules, you'll have peace. We point to a person who doesn't tell us what to observe, but says about himself, I am peace. So he doesn't say, hey, these are these are rituals that you're going to have to practice if you're going to be a good religious person in you know this major world religion. Jesus doesn't point to practices. Jesus points to his person. And he says, it's not about following rules. It's not about following rituals. It's not about observing rites. It's not about practicing this law book, but it's about embracing me, embracing me. I'm inviting you to myself. I'm not inviting you to a book. I'm not inviting you to a teaching. I'm not inviting you to rituals. I'm inviting you to myself. That's the difference. That's what Jesus came to do. He said, look, I'm inviting you to cling to me as life itself. Long before you practice any rules, long before you observe any commandments, long before you look in a book, long before you go through the practices of routines, rituals, or anything like that, right, you look to me, Jesus, you look to the person of Jesus, and you cling to me as life itself. I'm not giving you a book that will lead to joy. I am joy. I'm not giving you rules that will lead to peace. I am peace. This is what Jesus came to do. He doesn't invite us to believe a certain number of points. He invites us to cling to himself as life. And this is the difference. You know, um, last week I, I mentioned Jesus having fake friends. And uh, it, it, I think it was funny and, and I even sang a song to go along with it that we uh, hear on the radio. But, you know, as I, as I, as I began to think about that this week, I recognize, and and I look through these major world religions, I recognize that if all we do is try and embrace some of the principles of Christianity without embracing the person of Jesus Christ, then we have devolved into just another world religion. Like, if all we're trying to do is, and notice I didn't say practice all of the principles, right? Because Christianity has principles, we have rules, we have rituals, we have rites, right? We have just like they do, but, but that, that's not the point, right? Because if that's all we do, then we've devolved and all we are is just another world religion. We're not actually bringing hope to the world. We're not actually proclaiming the way of salvation. We're not actually living in a way that's any different. We're not actually bringing any love or any transformation at all. All we're doing is just practicing another world religion, right? That's, that's religion, Right. We're not any different. We don't have anything to offer. You know, the Hindus, I've seen it. They bathe in the Ganges. We get baptized. (laughs) Sikhs, they read their holy book and they share with the needy. We read our Bibles and we are supposed to share with the poor. Muslims go to worship on Friday. Christians go to worship on Sunday. Buddhists, they recite mantras. We sing choruses. None of these things are wrong within themselves, but it is absolutely possible to completely miss the point by doing all of these things apart from Jesus. In our pursuit of becoming righteous, we can actually embrace idolatry. Because we idolize Christianity rather than following the Christ. That that and, and none of those things are bad. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. But just doing those things alone is not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, is not to observe rules, rites, and rituals. It is to cling to the person of Jesus as life itself. That is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Now, for some of us in here, and and I don't know if this is going to fit or not, but at least for some of us in here, I I think that we might be able to find a mirror in a biblical character named Nicodemus. Now, I don't know if you guys have, have read this passage in a while, but I love this passage of scripture. There was a religious man. He was a devout religious man. In fact, he was known as a ruler of the Jews. So let's make this point clear from the start. Nicodemus was more religious than all of us. All right. He never missed church. He served in the kids' department like eight times out of eight every month, you know, but then somehow was able to make it into worship and preach. He did everything, you know what I mean? He observed every rite, every ritual he gave to the poor. Like, he just did it all, right? He was super religious. He was checking off all the boxes, man. He was doing everything that he felt that he needed to do to become righteous. That's what Nicodemus was doing. And notice that Nicodemus actually says something true about Jesus, right? Let's read it real quick. It says, now there was a man named, uh, named Nicodemus, and this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God. Now, notice he is confessing truth about Jesus. I would say that all of you guys who raised your hand and said, I'm a follower of Jesus, we all do the exact same thing. Amen? Amen. We confess truth about Jesus. And he said, nobody can do these signs unless God is with them. And Jesus answered him and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is so interesting to me because despite doing everything right on the outside, Nicodemus had no spiritual life on the inside. Despite observing all the rules and rituals, despite going through all of the routines, despite posting in his Instagram bio, follower of Jesus, he still had no spiritual life on the inside. Despite listening to 18 podcasts a week, despite doing his devotionals, despite checking off the list, despite reading the the most recent number one times uh, New York bestseller you know, despite doing all those things, on the inside he was like dry and empty and there was nothing there. And he thought to himself, there has to be more than this. Yeah, right. And my question to you today is, is that your Christianity? Wow. And I don't, have a, I don't have a ton of time, but listen, is that your Christianity? Is that your faith? Is that your life with Jesus? Like, are you checking off all the boxes, doing all the things that you feel like are going to make you righteous or make you loyal to Jesus? But if you could be honest with yourself today, do you have life on the inside? Like, do you really have like spiritual vibrancy? Is there really a passion that's exploding within you on the inside to see Jesus every day of your life, to see his kingdom come every day of your life, to receive your daily bread every day of your life? Do you wake up with a hunger? That says, i got to see Jesus today. i got to hear from Jesus today. Do we have a broken and a contrite spirit? Does the name of Jesus still move us? Are we moved to to tears? Are are we emotional about God? You know, if I was never emotional about my wife, she probably wouldn't think our marriage was going well. Some of us haven't been emotional about Jesus in a decade. And we just, I'm just an introvert. Well, even introverts cry when they watch This Is Us. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, when you get touched, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get moved, something happens. And, and some of us, man, we have not been moved wow. for years. Wow. And let me ask you, are, are, we, are we Nicodemus in the story? Wow. Are we confessing truth about Jesus? But we have nothing happening here. Wow. I'm dry. I'm dead. I'm, I'm going through the motions, but I, I, nothing's happening. That's Nicodemus in the story. And as he's doing everything right, as he's coming to Jesus, Jesus has something to say to him. He says, No one, or excuse me, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, everybody say born again, again. he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, I I feel that what Jesus was doing is he was helping Nicodemus to identify that what he was embracing was not supernatural relationship, but it was superficial religion. He said, hey, you're checking off all the boxes. You're even confessing truth about me, but you're dead on the inside. And here's what superficial religion is. It's the constant attempt to do outward things apart from inward transformation. It's the constant attempt to do outward things apart from inward transformation. We're not really transformed. We're not, nothing's really happening on the inside. And can I tell you guys that superficial religion will not bring you real life. I'm sorry, but it won't. You can do all of the rituals. You can do all of the rites. You can read all of the devotionals. You can listen to all the podcasts. You can read all of the books. You can buy all the Christian t-shirts, put a bumper sticker on your car. But you will still be dead on the inside unless... You do what Jesus calls us to do, which is to be born again, wow. which to have, which is, means to have supernatural relationship. It means to have supernatural regeneration. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So let me read to you guys a really quick scripture, and I, I'll be quick. And I'm, I'm recognizing I'm, ar- I'm already over time, but I, I, I'm going to go ahead about five more minutes. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Ezekiel 36 says this, and this is where Jesus is pulling this from. It says, I will sprinkle you clean, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I, I love that because he's not talking about people with closets devoted to, you know, wooden statues that they worship. He's talking about anything that stands in the way of them and God he said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to come with fresh water. Everybody say, born again. Born again. Right? That's what Jesus said. You've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. So here's what the water does. You guys have been baptized? Yeah. We'll make an opportunity real soon if you haven't been baptized, right? Jesus says, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fulfill Ezekiel 36. I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you. And when that happens, you're going to be clean. And you're going to be delivered from all of your idols. I'm going to cleanse you. Somebody say, I'm free from sin. Yeah. I'm free from sin. That, that makes me happy. And I will give you a new heart, right? That's a clean heart. And then get this. you got to be born of the water and of the spirit. And there's a new spirit that I'm going to put in you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And now don't, don't miss this last part. And I will put my spirit within you. Hallelujah. Right? And I will cause. Everybody say Cause. cause. Cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Jesus did not come to bring us another list of things to do in order to become superficially religious. What Jesus came to bring us was an opportunity for supernatural relationships, supernatural regeneration. That we would become a brand new person with a brand new heart and a brand new spirit. That we would receive the water for the cleanliness of our sin and that we would receive a brand new spirit. Now, that's not just talking about us, you know, feeling clean on the inside. If we're going to have a new spirit, where does that new spirit come from? He's not just grabbing something out of a galaxy somewhere. He's pulling it from himself. Right? It's not just, oh, I'm going to figure out something. It's like, no, no. The reason you're able to have a new spirit is because I'm going to give you my spirit. It's not going to be your spirit anymore. It's not going to be idolatry. It's not going to be sin. It's not going to be, well, I I think I kind of want to do it. No, I will cause you. I will cause you. That whenever Jesus came and said, hey, come and follow me. Notice the disciples didn't need to be convinced. They were supernaturally compelled. Yeah. When he said, Hey, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men, right? I'm gonna make you an evangelist. You're gonna go all over the world and you're gonna pay the price. Yeah. You're gonna pay the price. We do remember, right, that every single author of every single book in the New Testament was greatly persecuted. All of them became martyrs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't think that they were ever convinced, they were compelled. Because they had a new spirit, and so they were caused. I don't think I have, I don't really think I have time to like really dive into this today. But listen, this is what I want to tell you. Are you embracing superficial religion, or are you embracing supernatural regeneration? Have you really been born again? A couple scriptures, and we'll, we'll be finished. A John 3 says this. Do not, and this is what Jesus says to Nicodemus. I think this is great. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, why does he say this? The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You can't be filled up with the Spirit and have a predictable life. Wow. <laughs> It, it's just not possible. The, Jesus is clear. The, the wind blows where it wants to blow. So such it is with everybody who's been born again, right? So you can't have this predictable cookie-cutter thing because the Holy Spirit, like, I'm going to blow this way today. Right? I'm blowing that way tomorrow. Okay, I'm blowing this way next week. Well, God, I just want everything lined out. I need a 10-year plan. I need a 25-year plan. I need to have everything. I, well, no, that's not going to happen. If you're filled up with the Spirit... He's going to blow where he wants to. And and the Bible says, can any man hold the wind? Right? So if you're going to fight against the Spirit taking you into new places that you don't want to go, then you'll end up somewhere the Spirit's not. And you'll have to embrace superficial religion in order to keep up appearances. But you will be dry on the inside because there's no supernatural regeneration. There's no life. There's no passion. We're no longer clinging to Jesus saying, oh, this is my life. We're clinging to a list of rules, hoping that, you know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures for in them you think that you find life. But I've come to bring life and life more. But it's not about these rules. It's not about the rituals. It's not about coming to church or giving in the offerings. It's not about serving or, you know, saying all the right things or doing it. It's about clinging to the person of Jesus as life itself. And this is what real Christianity is. To really follow Jesus, that means really follow Jesus. And I, you know, you guys can stand up. But the question is this: Are you? Are you? Are we really? Are we really following Jesus? Or are we just checking the boxes? That honest, I'm, I'm giving you guys a real question. Search your soul. Like, are we clinging to Jesus as life itself? Because if you're filled with the Spirit, you've got to die to your directions. No longer do you get to decide how to navigate your life. You're dead. The Spirit is in charge now, and He's going to move wherever He chooses. Galatians uh, 2 and 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself up for me. This is what God does. He places the source of his life at the center of your life. And this is how you now live. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is what it means to be a Christian. To die with Jesus so that you can live by Jesus' spirit. I know that for some, when we hear messages like this, and I'm sorry if you hate them, I'm going to share them for three months. So, yeah, is this. um, I'm not called to that, right? You know, I think that's the easiest resignation that we can make as Christians. Like, well, I'm just not called to that. And so we exempt ourselves from a real regenerated relationship with Jesus Christ. And because we're not called to that, we're dry on the inside. We're empty on the inside. We're going through all of the motions because we think that way of life is going to keep us safe. And we may be safe, but we are bored out of our minds. And we're talking about, man, I remember when I was 18 and I went to YWAM. I remember when I was 22 and I went to, the mission field. I remember when I was 25 and went to BSSM. I remember when I was 22 and I first got saved. And we look back at old seasons as though they are the high water mark that we had in God, and we say things like, "Man, well, God understands. I got a job now. God understands. I got kids now. He does understand." But the question that I'm asking you is this. Like, are you really following him? Did he lead you to do that job? Did he lead you to live where you live? Did he lead you to do what you do? Because if he hasn't, chances are you're probably going to stay on the same trajectory, bored. So as Christians, we just embrace God. We embrace Jesus as life itself. And wherever he leads us is where we go. And when we let go of that and we say, Spirit, you're no longer the compass. We can sing, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. But in fact, we're scared of anything that threatens our safety, which means we've made ourselves an idol rather than following Jesus. I hope this has been helpful. I feel like I rushed through it. Well, listen to the podcast. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us to grow. And uh, God, we ask that you would transform us in this season, that we would grow deeper with you and that we would discover what it means to really follow you. And as I prayed last week, if there's anything that I've said that's been challenging but unnecessary, just flush it. Let it not even be remembered. It doesn't matter. But anything that you've said, God, let our spirits hold on to it. Let us be obedient. Let us immediately drop our nets and follow you. Let us be faithful. It's not about being successful. It's about being faithful. Faithful to what you've said. Faithful to what you've spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. And everyone said?